Isn't great? Wasn't that the most beautiful, chaotic time you've ever been a part of? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I haven't had heard babies cry like that in a long time. I mean, it's been a while since my household has kids crying like that. That was, that was really great. That was like music. I'm kind of weird. I, I miss changing diapers, too. Hey, um, in your bulletin, we have a connection card here. It's a green and white card. And if this is your first, second time, we'd really appreciate you uh, just filling this out to whatever degree you like. Uh, but for everyone, we'd, we'd appreciate you uh, giving us at least your name that you're here. And if you have any questions, anything, any way we can serve you, uh, put that on the back of the card and just leave it on your pew when you leave. You know, as you're doing that, um, I'd just like to share something. You know, uh, last week uh, I talked about, I, I used a phrase uh, in regards to our presidential process saying, saying about uh, what Paul talked about submitting to government authorities. Now, I said that in the context of our process of electing a president. And that was the context in which I wanted to say that, uh, that statement that the Bible is teaching of submitting to government authorities. But I want to remind us, and this is a good thing, it's always good to remind us, that we as a church, we stand for the Lord, first and foremost of all. You know, Jesus didn't go to the cross because he was a yes man, right? And when you talk about the Protestant church, the Protestant took, church took stands against the authority at that time. And so when we think of the church, our, we, we, we line up with what Peter said. Peter said, we will obey God rather than man. So, you know, I've always thought since coming to this church, I've always thought, you know, will there be a time when I'm going to have to help this church to make a tough decision to maybe either uh, go contrary to what, a law that is passed or to maybe even have the threat of closing our doors because of not lining up with what, what, something, what the, the government around us is saying. But, you know, haven't had to thus far. And I know that in the future, if that comes up, hey, Pastor Corey will know exactly what to do. So, everything's good. Okay. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm just going to read a few verses here. Uh, we're, we're staying in our study of the book of Ephesians. That's Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, a church that he pastored for three years. He planted that church. He built up that church. He knows those people personally. He understands their leadership. He understands their culture that they're in. And he writes this letter, and we're going to keep going in it this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable, incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Let me just stop right there. Let's stop right there. Join me in prayer. Father, as we're about to continue our study in this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, 
Father, we know that you guided him to write these truths down, not only for that church, but for us today. So, Father, we pray that you'll speak to each one of us. You know each one of us is in a different place. Each one of us has a, has a different degree of knowledge of who you are. So, Father, I pray that you will just speak to each of us according to uh, what we need and what you want us to take home today. Thank you, Lord. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a couple years ago, I, I have three kids, three daughters. Did you notice there are four girls here? Man, this is going to be a church for guys, man, later on. <laughs> anyway, a couple of years ago, uh, I asked my three kids, my three daughters, hey, would any of you like to learn about the stock market? Investing in the stock market. And out of the three, one of them says, yeah, I would. And so we got together and we talked about stock market and investing in the stock market and things like that. And so what she did after the end of our talk and our study and everything and looking at stuff, she, she bought stock in a company that she has at least some familiarity with, and that is Disney. She bought five shares in the Disney Corporation. And today, two years later, she's up 30%. Not bad, doing better than me. You know, and this past week, uh, the annual report, she gets an annual report, and this annual report comes and it breaks down all about the corporation and, and how they did this past, past year and their finances and stuff, and I encourage her to read it. And the reason why is that it's good to understand things and to learn about things, and that's how she would understand how this company makes investments. Now, when I told her 30%, you know, it didn't make a big deal. You know why? Because she can't spend it. You know, it's locked up in that stock, you know? And sometimes when we think about spiritual stuff, and because that was those spiritual things, truths don't touch us right now, sometimes we, we don't get that excited about it. It's something for the future, like heaven. But the thing we have to always understand, and that Paul understood very clearly, is that fact has to always proceed faith. And the more we review the fact, and understand and reminded about the truths that God has for us. The, the, it it encourages and builds up and just strengthens and, and, and builds that foundation under our faith. Paul understood that, and so when we read the book of Ephesians, this letter, we see Paul reviewing. He's going over things that are really hey, basic Christianity stuff, but he goes over with the, you'll see it here, you'll see it there, you'll see it there. And that's because Paul knows that we have to keep going over these truths for them to, to kind of sink in and remind us, hey, that this stuff is real for us now. So let's go back. Let's look at this Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm just going to read a part of it, and it talks about the hope of our calling. Just the very first verse we read of 18. The first part of 18 reads, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which has called you. It talks about the eyes of your heart being enlightened. Hope to which he has called you. You know, a lot of times when I read these verses, I think about it. If I read this right before going to sleep, I'd be out like that. It, it, just, it just doesn't touch me that much. But that's why when we get into the word here on Sundays. We want to break it down, and we have that time to think about it. What is Paul saying here? What is that hope? That hope he's talking about here deals with our salvation. It refers to our, our 
our, our ticket to heaven because of our faith in Jesus Christ. By faith in him, we had that hope of not only being like Christ on the earth, in other words, getting better and better and growing spiritually, but also being with Christ forever in heaven. But, but it, it can be like my daughter and, and her stock. You know, my daughter and her stock, she, she, she has that and she knows it, she has it, but, but it doesn't affect her too much because she's not spending it, not spending that money. Sometimes when we talk about spiritual things, especially things that have to do with our eternity with God in heaven, it's kind of like having an insurance policy. You know, you got this insurance policy, and, 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 it, and it guarantees you this is going to happen if this happens, all right? And so you say, oh, man, I'm glad I got it. And matter of fact, Jesus paid the premium. It's all paid up. So I'm just going to stick it into my filing cabinet, and hey, I'm, I'm happy I got it. But you really don't think about it too much. See, Paul, even though he didn't understand insurance, he understood human nature. And he's saying to these people, do you remember? Do you remember that you're saved? Do you remember why you're saved? Do you remember that, that, that time when you realized for the first time that you are a sinner? Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that, that you've fallen short, that in God's eyes, you're not okay, that even though you don't burn and pillage villages, you're in the same category of those who do. We're all in the same boat. I used to struggle with this verse that Paul wrote that we see in, in his letter to the church in Rome. In Romans 3.23, he says, For all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And my first thought is, who, me? You know, when I first heard this, when I was a much younger person, I'm thinking back, well, what did I do wrong? You know, I didn't do a lot of things wrong. When I was a kid, I TP'd home houses and painted mailboxes or whatever on Halloween. I don't know, stuff like that, crazy stuff. But sin, that's a pretty heavy word. But Paul meant it to be heavy. That separation from God. 1 John 1.10, it says, If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. See, Paul talks about also in other places about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is what we call, he's the revealer. He is the enlightener. He's the one who helps us to clearly see that we do need a Savior. We need to be saved. See, and God could... Could, could open up our eyes and heart to that need to, for a Savior, but then you have that human responsibility still, right? You have to decide whether you're going to really, really embrace that, that you are going to say, yes, I do need a Savior, and agree with that. See, Paul, Paul wrote that it takes the eyes of our heart, in other words, that inner revelation, that inner revelation to really appreciate what? Our salvation, what he refers to in this verse, to our hope, to which he has called us. You know, I think that's an important thing in Christianity and in spiritual things, that we have these revelations, these aha moments. 
you know, a lot of you know that I used to be uh, a missionary in Brazil. And when I used to go way up river into the Amazon area, uh, I, I'd go there for like a meeting with a church, or I'd go there for a problem that someone's having, and I'd, I'd have to have meetings with people. But then when I had free time, I'd usually go down to a little river tributary, and I'd see, you know, there's, there's a house here and a house there, and, I'd, and every house had a canoe. And I'd go up to, if I see someone working out of their house, I'd say, yell to them, hey, can I use your canoe? And they say, go on, go on, you know. So I get the canoe, and I just go off paddling down to this little tributary. And these tributaries are only like 8, 10 feet wide. And you're going into this deep jungle forest area. That was really cool. It was really fun. But then one day I remember, it like, boom, it dawned on me. Wow, it struck my mind. I may be one of the only human beings to ever see this. It was just really just a... Something I'd done all the time, but I, it just kind of hit me. It was that aha moment. And you know, in the spiritual realm, we need to have those. You may know it as head knowledge, but you know what they say? It's the heart knowledge that counts. When it really is for you. That aha moment. Let's go on. You know, Paul in this text, he talks about his glorious inheritance. Look at verse 18. I'm going to read the whole verse. It says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. What's he talking about here? Everyone likes to hear have an inheritance, right? Don't you? Yeah. Is this for us? You ever want something so badly? You ever want something so badly you're willing to give everything you have for it? Everything. You know, some of you have your own business. I, I think a lot, of, a lot of you guys who have your own business, a lot of you ladies who start your own business, you can understand that maybe more than maybe some other people like myself who've never done that. But... But, you know, you got that drive, you got that vision, you got that, that dream, and you're saying, but no matter what, I'm going to do this. It's that, it's that nothing's going to stop me attitude. When you have a loved one ill, what won't you do? What won't you spend? Example, I had a friend. I had a friend named Dennis. This guy, he got really just... I had an obsession about home ownership. He just said, I, I want to buy a house. I got to buy a house. I'm gonna, and I want to do it now. And he, he'd always look at, at homes and he'd see a for sale sign or, or, or an open house. He'd go and he found this house he wanted. But he didn't have enough money. And so he did what the normal person would never think about doing. He took every cent of his hard-earned money, took it all out, got in his car, drove to Las Vegas, went to a roulette table, put it all on black. One spin of the ball, he won. One spin of the ball, doubled his money, took it all, didn't play another game, went home, put that down on that house. Isn't that amazing? You know, in Hebrews 9.28, the author of Hebrews wrote, So, Christ was sacrificed once 
for the sins of many. You know, God chose terms that we read in the Bible to help us understand him. In other words, in the Bible, he calls himself what? He calls himself our Heavenly Father. And that's to tell us that that's the kind of relationship he wants with us. But he also calls Jesus his only begotten Son. Why? To help us understand the cost he was willing to pay for us. See, we are the prize. We are God's wonderful inheritance. We are his only family. You are his favorite child. Each of us was on our spiritual deathbed, and God held back nothing to get us well. The author of Hebrews wrote in chapter 2, verse 3, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Paul also talks about his great power. Look at verses 19 to 20. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realm. You know, I recently saw the movie Doctor Strange. I was the only one in my family that liked it. You know, and if you know the, the if, you probably, if you haven't seen it, you know, it's basically it's about this, well, this renowned surgeon who got a car accident and he couldn't do surgery anymore. So he's seeking throughout the world how he can somehow regain this, this power uh, in his hands to do surgery again. But in doing that, he stumbles upon this supernatural power. And he's introduced to it. And they show him, and they talk to him about it. But he's, he's not a believer. He thinks it's some kind of hocus-pocus junk. He doesn't believe it until he personally experiences the power in him. See, Paul understood the difference for those in the church in Ephesus and those outside the church. See, he knew that we believers have this power from God, but he understands human nature, that we, even though we can read about it and hear it, be told it every day, we're not going to truly believe in it and live in it until we personally experience it. And that's important because God wants others to see us and to be attracted to him. And a God without power is no power, is no God at all. That's why when things happen in ways we, that, that things happen, we naturally think, well, God, you're so powerful. Why are the Lakers so lousy? You know? So to help the Ephesians, Paul reminds them of the greatest miracle of all. In his text we just read, what is that? The resurrection. He reminds them of the resurrection. He wrote, the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. 
See, what Paul is trying to help the Ephesians understand is that the new life in Jesus Christ is a life living in the power of God. It's not just a one time, yeah, I'm a Christian, praise God, that's it, you know. It's, 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 it's living, it's, it's living that life in the power of God because what is Christianity? It's that relationship with the living God. And it's supernatural. How is it supernatural? It sounds kind of crazy to me. It, it, it is kind of crazy when you think about it, but, you know, we all have that tendency to be like that Dr. Strange. We don't believe in it until we start to experience it in our, in our own personal life. And that's why Paul exhorts the church, and the church in Galatia is where he wrote these words, he said, walk in the Spirit. In other words, don't just walk your life, live your life like you normally do and think in your head and logically think things out and plan your day and not even think about God, but it's, it's, it's being mindful of God. It's being even starting your day with God and having expectations with God and, 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 and actually putting effort in to live like God wants you to live. Paul talked about in, in his letters to the Galatians he talks about this supernatural walk in, in a way that, that maybe it's easier for us to understand. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. He's saying, hey, you know, a way that you can walk in the Spirit is to let the Spirit help you react to your world differently than you normally would. In other words, to be loving instead of angry. To be hopeful when you're surrounded by hopelessness. To be joyful as the darkness kind of creeps in around you. To have peace when all hell is breaking loose. And see, that's something when we walk in the Spirit, it's not our own strength. It is the strength of God. It is the Spirit of God that's working in us. If we want it! Because God will never twist our arm to live a way that we don't choose to live. That's part of the give and take. That's part of, of Christianity. That's part of love. You do not force anyone to love you. It is a choice. So if you want to live for him, you've got to choose to live for him. And that takes effort. Now, why is Paul doing all this? Why is he reviewing this over and over to these people in different churches and different cities? Well, it kind of reminds me of the same reason I season my food. I like cooking. Some of you guys like cooking. Some of you ladies maybe are tired of cooking. I don't know. But when I have free time, I like to, to goof around in the kitchen. And over the years, I've learned how important seasoning is, how important having the right spices are. Because if you don't have the right spices, if you don't have the right seasoning, hey, it is bland, it is tasteless, and no one wants seconds. Right? Right. Paul wrote that you may know the incomparable great power for us who believe. Why? So the world will see the truth in Psalms 34.8. What is that? Taste and see that the Lord is good. See, if all this believing in God doesn't make a, a difference in your life, 
husband, who cares what you do? But if you got something that can make a difference, a powerful, good way, yeah, the, Lord's, the world's going to want it. And God wants them to want it because he loves them. Let's pray. Father, thank you. As we think of the heart of Paul and why he wrote these letters and chose these, these, these truths to communicate, Father, we, we pray we have that same kind of heart, that we want the world to know you. And not only that, but we want our loved ones to, to, to grow in you. We want those who do know you already to grow and to, and to experience more of you and to experience that, that life that you, that you tell us is an abundant life. So thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you for these reminders. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that, uh, that we can count on you when we turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen.